This is Purple Radio On Demand. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of Who's Hot Podcast. Um, I'm Freya and I'm here with Christian. Morning. Hawaiian. <laughs> Hi. And our special guest, Sean Carlson. Hello, how you doing? Lovely to be here. So, uh, first question, how are you? Oh, I'm very well, thank you for asking. Um, the weather's horrible. I mean, I don't know what it's like there, but of course we're going to be hit by a second storm, aren't we? So it's chucking it down. Um, yeah, I've got some builders out there building a summer house and it's, it's not the right time of year to be building a summer house. <laughs> I feel very sorry for them. I've been out with tea and donuts, but um, yeah, it's horrible today. Horrible. But I'm good. I'm all right. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, God. You, you'll have to get used to that. I, I'll give long, wittering answers unless you cut me off. So. No, no, no. no. Good. My wife we says like that. that. <laughs> she says, there's nobody the witter's quite like you. <laughs> right. uh, it absolutely works. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So, um, yeah, we wanted to talk about um, the, our society, Doctor Society currently, has uh, a whole load of people working on producing and acting in our own fan-made audio drama series. Oh, so, wow. firstly, we kind of wanted to ask what sort of advice would you want to give them? Uh, what kind of propelled you in the voice acting direction? Crikey. Um, so so you're, you're, you're making your own audio drama sort of, what, Who Related series, yes, yeah? Yes. yes. Yeah. That's fantastic. Wow. Oh, that's wonderful. I've, I've heard of other people doing this. Um... What can I say? Advice. Um, I mean, I guess you know you're all you're all you know young people, so you say so you're up on the technology. That's my weakness. Um, I've just had a home studio built, and I'm still struggling to use it. Um, but what advice can I give? Um, I it's it's not so much an audio drama note. It, it's a general acting note that that applies very well to audio drama and, and to any kind of acting really, and that's to listen. So, you know, when you're doing a two-hander or, or a scene with more than two people, it's very, not just to think about what you're saying, but to think about what the other person is saying and to actually listen. I remember I went to see my daughter in a, a school production of um, Midsummer Night's Dream, and I was struck by the fact that she was really good. And what it was, I think, was the fact that she was engaged the whole time um, and sometimes you know, when you see people that aren't professional actors, they, they tend to be concentrating on knowing their bit, you know, knowing their lines, and then they're waiting for their next line, for the next time they speak. Whereas really, in that, that moment after you've said your line, you should be listening very carefully to what the other actor is saying, because that's what we do in life, you know, we listen um, and react to what we hear. So I think that's, that's an acting note I... I that may be useful and, and, you know, keep it subtle, keep it naturalistic, keep it um, conversational. Um, and just think about, you know, the emotional content. There we are. That's, if that's helpful. <laughs> yeah, I think that it is. I think sometimes you need to be reminded that, like, even though it can be kind of an artificial environment, you need to remember the things that make a performance, like, natural because it could be easy to just think, oh, this is a manufactured situation. And yeah, like, yeah. yeah I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> no, that, that's absolutely true. It is. It's just about keeping it real, isn't it? You know, um, and as you say, very, very, no, you're very right what you say about it being an artificial situation. For example, you know, when I was at drama school or after I left drama school, you know, I, I'd had no film experience whatsoever at drama school. You know, we, we didn't, hardly touched on it then. Um, so leaving drama school and then starting to get small roles in, in telly, it was a hell of a, um, a sea change for me because all I was used to was, was stage work. And I must say, you know, I, I would get quite uncomfortable and nervous before, before that moment where they said, okay, you know, turn over, uh, and action and then that moment you're suddenly kind of tense and not relaxed and and I just had to say to myself it comes with experience but I just had to say to myself look just just you know be relaxed be in the moment and don't think about you know suddenly 
you know, all focus is going to be on you and on your scene. And, you know, it's what you said about the artificial, artificial environment. You know, you're, you're in, in, a, in a room or a set surrounded by people all concentrating on their job. It's all very, very technical. Um, you just have to try really hard, learn to just relax before that moment they, they say action. And I used to see other actors be so relaxed before action. How can they be so relaxed? I'm like a ball of nervous energy. But that's really important. You've got to be. You've got to be relaxed um, and be in the moment. And everything else simply isn't there. So it's it's interesting you said about the uh, unnatural environment, if that's the phrase you use, because that's exactly what tally is. It's the same in a studio, you know, because when we do the Doctor audios, you know, we're, we're in a studio, we're in separate booths. Um, we can see each other to an extent. You know, I can see Lala or... Uh, Louise Jameson in the next booth and the booth after and then further on there's two more booths which I can't see so there might be guest actors in there or whoever it might be um, so that in itself is is an unnatural sort of way you know um, you know we, we're not doing the scenes you know what I mean but but it feels completely natural I guess you know it's such a um, such a familiar environment because I've been doing the Big Finish audios for 18 years or more. Um, so yeah, it's it's um oh hang on, just I may have I may have to plug my my phone in. Crikey, I should have checked the battery before we started. <laughs> anyway, there like, we are. Okay. Right, we'll see how we go. So I I was wittering on about um the recording process um with Big Finish. Yeah, thinking about the processes of recording Big Finish, um so how did the different processes recording both in person and during lockdown for Big Finish audios, how did they differ? And how do you think it will affect the way that media like audio drama will be produced in the future? Well, so previously, prior to um, lockdown, I always recorded um, in, in London at the most studios. Crikey, way back, my very first audio was with um, The Eighth Doctor with Paul. That was done in Bristol at the time. Uh, then we were in the old Moat Studios and then the new Moat Studios where we've been ever since. So it's a very familiar place for me and somewhere I really enjoy recording. It, it's a fantastic, intimate little studio, nice little green room and we can all sit and chat and have a gossip there and we have our lunch there. Um, it's always a really lovely experience. It's something I always hugely look forward to and something I really miss as well. Um, as I was saying, we would um, go into the studio and then you've got like five individual booths and then you've got um, Scott and, and uh, um, who, who, you know, be behind the, uh, you know, the control, you know, behind the controls. Um, and that's the way we always did it. Uh, and, and of course, we had the, the famous Big Finish lunches, which, you know, really, I know everyone bangs on about them. <laughs> You know, it is the best catering in the business. You know, all the filming that I've done over the years for BBC and, and uh, Channel 4, whoever it might be, nothing comes close to uh, to the catering at Big Finish. That's why people do it. It's not for the money. It's, it's the food, I'm sure. And the I love. dream of those lunches. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> it's, for the, it's for the love of Doctor Who, obviously. But no, I must say, the lunches, uh, Toby's lunches are fantastic. So that's something, you know, that I've always loved, you know, recording uh, with Big Finish. Now, of course, you know, um, things have changed. We were literally in the studio doing um, that Benny Summerfield, you, you may, um, yeah, may, yeah. may have heard. Yeah. So there we were, two absolute legends of uh, stage and screen, Sean Phillips and David Warner. Um, fantastic to work with those two. David, I'd met before, you know, we, we met at conventions. Um, Sean, I'd never met or worked with. And Crikey, she is fantastic. I'm a massive fan of Dylan Thomas. I know I'm going off on one now, but mm -hmm. I'll, I'll say this anyway. I'm a massive fan of Dylan Thomas. And I never thought I would meet somebody that actually knew him because he died, you know, uh, in the early 50s. Sean worked with him at the BBC when she was about 16, I think. Uh, and she told me this story about actually meeting and working with Dylan Thomas. I was absolutely bowled over by that. Um, so, yeah, we were in the studio recording that Benny Summerfield. And it was just a few days before the first lockdown in March 2020, wasn't it? Um, and even then, normally, you know, 
people would meet in the green room and shake hands, hug, you know, whatever. There was none of that. We were all being cautious. Um, and that's it. Then we went into lockdown and everything changed. And since then, um, you know, I, I, I've only recorded um, for them once. And that was, yeah, from my own home studio remotely. And, um, and maybe that's the way things will be from now on. I don't know if I do anything else for Big Finish. Perhaps that's how it'll be. I don't even know if I will do anything else for Big Finish because... Um, oh, don't say the... that. <laughs> None of us want to hear that. It would be absolutely break my heart. <laughs> you know, who, who knows what will happen, you know, with, with Narvin and, you know, Gallifrey. I mean, certainly Gallifrey, as we knew it, seems to have come to an end, you know. Um, I guess, you know, I knew it always would, I suppose. The fact that it lasted as long as it did is, is quite incredible, really, because, you know, we did three series very quickly between 2004 and, and what was it? I can't remember, but it was all a long time ago. And then we had that long hiatus. It would have been three. Sorry, Freya? I, I would have been three when you started, three years old. Oh, really? Crikey. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes me feel old. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. Do you know something? A mate of mine, a very good friend of mine, Hugh, said on Twitter this morning, he, he said, uh, it's my birthday on Sunday and, and I will be older than the oldest member of the Travelling Wilburys. Now, you may not know who the Travelling Wilburys are. Maybe some of your, your group will. But, but they were a super group in the 1980s. And, it, you know, I mean, there was, there was George Harrison from the Beatles in there. Roy Orbison was in there. Tom Petty. Um, oh, crikey, wh whoever else. And when we were teenagers, this band Travelling Wilburys, this super group came along and they seemed ancient to us. They were old men. And actually, the oldest member was Roy Orbison, and he was 52 at the time. I'm, I'm older than Roy Orbison was when he was in the Travelling Wilburys. I feel absolutely mm. ancient. I suppose I am a Time Lord, so I should feel a bit ancient, but um, <laughs> there we are. I've lost it my thread. in the best way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we were just talking about the change in, in recording. Oh, and Gallifrey, of course, yes. So, yeah, I was amazed it lasted as long as it did. Um, and... I was delighted that it lasted as long as it did. If it wasn't popular, it, it wouldn't have gone on for all that time. So you know, we had a we had a pretty good run. But I did know because you know Scott's a, a good friend, and and I knew that he felt that he had done all he could with it, and that he was going to leave. And of course, Lala left the UK and went to live abroad. So I thought, well, maybe the end is in sight. And, um, and sure enough, they brought it all to a conclusion, which was very sad. Um, but I suppose that's, that's inevitable. Uh, who knows what will happen next? Um, I don't know. That's <laughs> yeah. the answer. I mean, analogously, uh, us three as a group, um, I started listening to Gallifrey first a few years back and managed to get yeah. Freya into it. And then afterwards, Owain was also into it. But it was us three who came together to make a group chat to listen to Gallifrey Time War 4 come out together. Uh, so suffice to say, the ending left an impact on us. It was quite intense hearing it. But we were listening year to year as the Time War box sets came out with you and Lala and uh, Louise. And that was, that was an experience. No. Yes, you know, I mean, they were, they were great to do. The whole series has been great to do and very exciting the way it developed as well towards the end, you know, with the whole Time War thing. It was a huge thrill that obviously for a long time, TV Doctor Who was untouchable. We were, I guess, basically, as everything at Big Finish was, we were doing classic Doctor Who, um, so to speak. And then there came that moment where... Um, I think Russell T. Davis very kindly said that we could do the time war. Um, and I remember there was uh, one uh, cover for one of, one of the Gallifreys that had the TV Daleks on it. And that was, wow, you know, this is fantastic. Um, and now it's all tied up, you know, I mean, big, big finish. It, I mean, it's always been, of course it's canon, you know, but it's, <laughs> but it's not just that it's, it is doing everything that the TV series does. And, and for us to be able to tell the story of the time war, um was brilliant you know um and and then to have you know tv characters like uh jacoby's master come in things like that what a thrill you know i mean it, it, it goes without saying he's an incredible actor and a wonderful person 
I'm a huge, huge fan. People like that, you know, it, it's very, very special to get to work with them. And this is why I love doing um, big finish work. It's, 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 it's not about the, the lunches, you know, or, you know, or anything of that really. Yes, they're very nice, but really it's, it's being able to work within the Doctor Who franchise because I am a fan of that, to feel like you are part of that universe and to work with people that you've always hugely admired. And Derek Jacoby is really one of the best. So a huge thrill to, um, to meet and work with him. And he's a lovely guy. He's such a nice bloke. He really is. I suppose from a fan perspective, for people like us, it's really nice to um, see those people coming back like from the TV series, the people that didn't necessarily get the amount of screen time that we wanted for them. So it was nice to see people like Jacoby's master because he's so good on screen, but not for very long. Um, yeah. Because he regenerated pretty much immediately. So to see him like come into his own properly in his own box sets, even and then interacting well, with Arvin as well. It was good. It was so good to see that. Yeah, I, I think this is something that, that Big Finish um, has, has done very well and very successfully. Um, and, you know, when you think you could say the same about Paul McGann's Doctor. Now, I loved Paul McGann as the eighth Doctor when the TV movie came out. Um, and there was a lot. I love about the TV movie, TV movie and I know I've said this before but I think the script wasn't the best it was it was a shame actually because normally the writing is so good on Doctor Who and I thought that script was perhaps a, a little weak you know and, and didn't give him enough it was okay you know it, it was it was good it's certainly you know as a pilot to, to relaunch Doctor Who I think it was very successful it's just a huge shame that they never um, went ahead and carried on making episodes of Doctor Who with Paul McGann as the Doctor. I, th I think it's, it's, it's tragic, really, because I thought he was brilliant. And, and that's, that's the thing they got right there, was the casting. So, of course, for Paul to then get the chance to play his Doctor um, on audio uh, is, is brilliant from, from a fan perspective. It's the same for Colin as well, because, again, there are some people that say, well, you know, I wasn't really sure about... Um, the sixth doctor on telly um but he was never really given the chance to grow because doctor who was being messed around with a bit at the time you know and of course it got um well there was that long hiatus and was it going to be axed and then it, it came back and then it was axed you know um so yeah fantastic for those actors to get the chance to show what they can do because they're all brilliant doctors you know and as you say yeah those characters that have come into the new series uh like Derek Jacobi um just you know yeah somewhat briefly perhaps an episode or, or so to then develop those characters and for us for us to have those characters in our stories is is wonderful and now we need to go the other way and get big finished characters in the show oh wow <laughs> I just want Narvin in the show, please. <laughs> oh, you're too, you're, you're too kind. <laughs> Do you know, I, I, I would love it. And a lot of people say to me, you know, when are we going to have, you know, Narvin in, in Doctor Who on telly? And I mean, the answer is probably, probably never, you know, but I don't know. You know, we, we live in hope. I thought when they did The Night of the Doctor and they referenced some of the big Finnish characters, didn't they? Mm -hmm. um i think i think charlie pollard gets a mention doesn't she yeah they brought. get a few they get a few yeah. i think all of the companions that the doctor had had up to that point yeah yeah so you know i think that's that's uh, that's encouraging and you know who knows russell t davis is going to come back to take up the reins of doctor who once more I, I i would love nothing more i would i would i could die Happily, if um, I don't want to die, but <laughs> I could, I, I could say, please don't. If, 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 well, thank you. If 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 Narvin could could be in the TV series, or even just get mentioned, you know. But I would just love a you know a moment where you know this rather bureaucratic, stuffy time lord, you know, um, turns up and um, yeah, and the Doctor can say, "Haven't we met before?" Oh God, it's you, <laughs> Narvin. <laughs> we had a. You had a brief period in Christmas Invasion where you got to cameo as the policeman in that. So... Yes. Yes, it was but... Narvin undercover, most definitely. <laughs> yeah. Can we canonise that? that? That's in my personal canon now. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the fans worked it out. It was very clever what Russell T. Davis did back then. But yes, it was Narvin undercover um, on planet Earth. 
for the Sycorax invasion. Yeah, that, that was fun. That was nice because, again, very early days, mm. I'd only been doing uh, Doctor Audios for about less than a year, I think, at that point. It was 2004 or 2005. Um, so, yeah, we'd had Eccleston's wonderful first season and then David Tennant became the Doctor. And I remember... Um, you know, as soon as they started making Doctor Who again, I thought, oh, my giddy aunt, I would give anything to to audition for that and to be in it, to do an episode. Um, you know, didn't get a, a look in on the first series. And then literally, you know, David Tennant's first episode. Um, and I got a call from my then agent to go in and read for it. Funnily enough, it wasn't it wasn't to read for Christmas Invasion. It was um, school reunion. That's what they called me in for. Yeah, well, there we are. You got an exclusive there. Oh, wow. <laughs> I tell you what part it was because I remember it distinctly. It was Wagner. Yeah. So you had Anthony Head, wasn't he? He was yes. the uh, he was yeah. the head teacher, wasn't he? I only saw it when it was on. I haven't seen it since. But um, yeah, he had a right hand man, another teacher, maybe he was a deputy. <laughs> oh, the IT. Wow. <laughs> and there was there was a character. I I, I remember the name. Wagner or Wagner because because they sent me a script for, for School Reunion. Now here's the other thing. So they send me an extract of School Reunion, paper, paper script, an actual hard copy in those days, you know, uh, with my name printed on it. And, you know, spoiler alert, you know, if, if you share this information with anyone, you will be shot, you know. Um, <laughs> and, and as I read this script, I was like, hang on a second. I'm reading it and there's a bit where it said, you know, something like, you know, K9 trundles down the corridor, you know, and I'm like, K9 is back in, in new Doctor Who and, and Sarah Jane. Oh, good God, you know, and I couldn't tell a soul, you know, I could not tell a soul. I, mean, I would have, that would have blown it and I wouldn't have told anyone, but I was just, I was so excited and I had to keep that to myself. Um, anyway, I went in and I met Andy Pryor. And bless him, he was so lovely because I was nervous because it was Doctor Who and he's a big shot casting director. Um, bless him, he completely put me at my ease because I think the first thing he said to me was something like, um, well, you're no stranger to Doctor Who. Tell me about the um, uh, Gallifrey audios. Tell me about the, the audio series you do, oh. which was so kind, you know. Um, so I was able to talk confidently about a bit about Narvin and what we were doing. And then we read a bit of uh, School Reunion and then he said, can you read this as well? And it was the policeman's line. So there we are. It, it didn't go my way with Skurianian, which was a better part. And I would love to have done that, you know, obviously. But it was nice to, to still come away with something and, and be able to put Doctor Who, a Christmas special on, on the CV. So, yeah, a couple, couple of scenes. Um, Narvin undercover. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're watching Christmas Invasion tonight with our society. Oh. And then doing <laughs> listening to chimes of midnight afterwards, so yeah. it's all very well timed out. But well, that's nice. I think I'm right in saying I, I read somewhere that it that it was the most repeated, um, the most repeated episode of New Who because it was the first Christmas special. You know, they they showed that one, you know, every Christmas for a long time. Uh, I can, I can imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. The, re the repeat fees were okay, but um, yes, it was nice. It was nice to do it. It was nice to just get it on the CV. And again, David Tennant is, is such a lovely bloke, such a terrific guy. And we'd met, um, we'd met before, um, before he was the doctor. He must have known he was the doctor at the time, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, because it wasn't that long before he was announced. So he would have known and just, he would have been keeping that quiet, keeping it to himself. There was a party to celebrate five, would you believe, five years of Big Finish audios. Uh, and it was at the Teatro Club on Shaftesbury Avenue. And I remember um, Braxitel, Miles Richardson, saying, oh, Sean, do you know David? David, Sean, Sean, David. Uh, and um, I said, oh, hello, David. Oh, hi, how are you? Great, yeah. That sounds more like Sylvester McCoy. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> there was this lovely Scottish actor, really good-looking guy, you know, you know, I thought, oh, wow, he's got a good look, you know, uh, amazing eyes. Uh, such a nice bloke. And we really got on. We had a lovely afternoon and, you know, we got a bit tipsy on the free champagne and chatted away merrily all afternoon. And, and what a nice bloke. And I, I was thinking, gosh, you're very familiar. And I said, I said, have we met before? Have we worked together or, or 
then I, he said, yeah, I, I get that feeling too. Yeah, I'm not sure. And then it was only afterwards, I was getting the train home and I thought, hang on a second, David, I, I've never met him before in my life. He, he's the bloke off, um, uh, oh, what was it? Um, it was a trollop adaptation that was on telly at the time. And what else did he do? He'd done a few dramas that, that he was- He'd done so he called was, it at the time. Uh, He'd done uh, I think he knew he was right. Yeah. There was a trollop ad- adaptation called He Knew He Was Right. I think that's what it was called. And Casanova, yeah. Um, I was going to say, was it, yeah, Casanova was around then as well. Yes, Casanova. Yeah, big posters of Casanova around, around town. And, you know, and I was thinking, oh, I'm, I'm, you, you look familiar. No, I just, I just seen him on telly like everyone else. But um, what a nice guy. And then when I did Christmas Invasion, I was up at... Um, BBC Wales were using the HTV facility up at Colvin's Cross in Cardiff. And I went up there for a costume fitting. And this um, person that was, was helping me out with, with my costume, she said, um, she said, oh, you do the Doctor Audios. David used to do that. I said, yes, I know. Because he did Dalek, what's it, Dalek Invasion. She said, um, oh, he, he's, he's around. He'd love to say hello to you. And I said, oh, no, don't trouble him. She said, no, no, hang on. And she stuck her head out the door. And David, there's a guy in here who does Doctor Audios. And he popped into the trailer and we had a lovely chat. And he went, oh, Sean, we met before, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, so he remembered me from when we met a few months previously at the Teatro. Um, and then the funny thing was, when we filmed the following week, we were, um, we were on a, uh, one of the main streets just off Queen Street in Cardiff. And it was my last scene, which was outside the old British gas buildings. And of course, you know, I'm looking up, you know, going... Um, I'm just heading around to the front now. Uh, there's hundreds of them. They've stopped. They've all stopped. They're just standing there, right on the edge. That was it, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and just after we finished filming, this people carrier pulled up and David Tennant got out. Um, and of course, you know, all, all the young fans, you know, just sort of rushed over to him to sort of, you know, get various things signed. And he was so lovely and took the time to sort of sign everything and chat with people. And, uh, and he looked over and went, hi, Sean. <laughs> Hi, Dave. <laughs> my, my new my new mate, David Tennant. I, I thought, oh my god, <laughs> but a nice bloke, a really nice guy. Yeah. Though I'm witching it. I met him for all of five seconds at a convention, but he was lovely then. <laughs> oh yes, he is. He is. Yeah, I, I want to talk more a bit more about Narvin as well, obviously. Yeah. Um, so um, I would ask, at what point did you realise that Narvin was sort of having a change of hearts from the character that we first see, like when he's first introduced in Gallifrey? Yeah, I mean, I know I've talked about this a lot before. It's, it's, it's a question that often comes up because when I got the first script, I thought, OK, I'm playing the bad guy. You know, he is this weaselly, smarmy, snidey, uh, devious backstabbing character and I know I've used the phrase before that at the time I, I thought I'd play him I saw him as a sort of intergalactic Peter Mandelson who was kind of big in politics at the time um, and it, the writing was so subtle and so clever and it's wonderful to have a, a very um, gradual um, change in someone's character and you see that He's not black and white. Gary Russell used the phrase that he's all shades of grey. It's it's, it's 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 he's so well written as a character. Uh, that's all credit to the to the many brilliant writers that we've had um, on Gallifrey. And certainly at the time, yes, you know there, there was there was this um, shift in his character. Um, and I suppose, yeah, that was clear to me as an actor. That as I was reading, I was thinking, hang on, he's he's not the bad guy. He, you know, he, he's, he wouldn't be, you know, your favourite person initially, but then actually you realise that when the chips are down, when it comes down to it, he's completely dedicated to Gallifrey and he's actually trying to do the right thing. He realises that he's made a big mistake in, in perhaps aligning himself with the wrong sort of people. Um, and that it, what it comes down to is, you know, Gallifrey, doing the right thing for, for Gallifrey and, and for his president. And of course, you know, what, what develops is this wonderful warm friendship between the, the three of them, really. Um, you know, n- not Braxitel, I can't include him in that, but certainly between, <laughs> between Romana 
Alila and Narvin, this lovely friendship develops, which of course isn't there early on. I mean, he's very hostile and quite rude to, um, to both of them. I mean, Leela in particular, savage, you know, he often refers to as that savage, you know, I mean, kicks K9, you know, and calls him a stupid tin dog, you know, I mean, he's, he's quite an objectionable sort of character. It's surprising anyone ever warmed to him, but I suppose what people loved was that they saw this, this gradual change and, and then he becomes someone that's far from cowardly. He can be incredibly brave and heroic and... Um, and I think it, it's it's the friendship, it's the warmth and, and the deep, deep love and, um, and special bond that is there between the three of them that I think people pick up on, I hope. Um, and it helps that we we get on very well as as actors, you know, because um, Lala and Lou are just just the best to work with. Um, and, you know, I've got, I've got a lot, lot of love for them as well. So um, that helps, you know. But it's a, it's a lovely dynamic, and it's it's all, as I say, it's all credit to the writers. So it was a very gradual change, wasn't it? Um, yeah, actually, one of my favourite things about people listening to Gallifrey for the first time is when when they listen to the first few series and they go, oh, "I really don't like Narvin," and then <laughs> I sort of go, "Well, just you wait." wait and then by the end of like yeah it was me as well and then by the end of like the the series after they sort of say I can't deal with this anymore they're suddenly like yeah he's my favorite character I can't can't do without him now yeah it 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 happens every single time yeah it really did take me by surprise and then the other funny thing is you know we we recorded it as I say you know we did the first one in January 2004 when you were three years old I think um (laughs) And then we did we did the second series at the end of that year, and then the third, I think. Then we had that long break. And it wasn't until, I don't know, it was probably sometime a few years ago, I'm not sure when exactly, that I just suddenly noticed um, that, that there was a lot of love for Narvin. Um, and I think it took Big Finish by surprise as well, because I remember you know, being at convention, I don't do conventions very often, certainly not anymore, but, you know, I do remember um, Jason and Nick Briggs being really quite surprised that, you know, people kept asking about Narvin, you know, when are we going to have more Narvin? And, you know, uh, I, I think Nick said one one time in, in uh, what's what's the, the big Finnish magazine they do? Vortex. Uh, <clears throat> yes, in Vortex magazine. And Nick said, what, what is it with this strange fanatical devotion to Narvin, you know. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, he, he said it in a, in a quite a funny, humorous sort of way that I think, yeah, they were they were pleasantly surprised that, uh, you know, he, he was a, a character that hadn't featured in the classic series that, that had become a, a bit of a fan favourite, which is a lovely thing, you know, for me, because it's an honour to play him and it's lovely that, that he's, he's popular and, and that people have a great affection for him. And I think it's it's good for them because you know they think well there we are we'll we'll keep using him we'll do more Narvin and I then live in hope that they will do more Narvin so I'll live in that please. hope yeah. <laughs> watch, watch this space <laughs> I mean you said that you well early Narvin aligned himself with sort of the more antagonistic figures as well and that will have included Darkel and Pandora so how was yeah. working with Linda Bellingham and Mary Tam? because those were obviously two quite big stars as well in the early series. Yeah, it's so sad, you know, um, because they were, they were wonderful to work with. And um, yeah, big, big stars. I mean, big, big names in television. Um, and just really lovely, warm, kind, very funny down-to-earth people. I mean, Linda Bellingham particularly, very, very funny. Um, yeah, she she really was. Um, she had a, a wicked laugh and a wicked sense of humour and told outrageous stories, which I can't possibly repeat. Uh, <laughs> Those are the best kind. <laughs> but she, she, was, she was wicked and funny um, and always an absolute joy to, to be around. Um, and And you know, Mary was just just absolutely gorgeous, lovely people, um, great characters too. Um, and again, you know, this this was the wonderful thing about Gallifrey. You know, I remember in those early days, you know, you have those kind of pinch yourself moments because you're thinking, you know, I obviously I'm I'm uh, 
of a certain age. I, I grew up in, in the 1970s watching Doctor Who. And suddenly you find yourself in a series and you're thinking, well, you know, this is, there's K9, you know, and, and there's, there's, there's Romana 1 and Romana 2, and you know, and we've got Leela, you know, these, these are some of my favourite companions. Um, yeah, and, and you're doing a Doctor Who audio drama series with, with these wonderful characters. It, it, you do pinch yourself and think, wow, this is incredible. Um, and I never tire of that, like I say, you know, that was in the early days, and then fast forward to you know finding myself, um, you know, uh, being in the same cast list as as uh, Mark Gatiss or, or, or Derek Jacoby. Crikey, you know, it doesn't get much better than that. So um, yeah, thank you, thank you, Big Finish. <laughs> yeah, it does sound like you have a lot of fun. Uh, like working on all of these um and actually one of my favorite things to come out of Gallifrey was this particular outtake that ended up in behind the scenes of series four are there any like particularly funny moments that you remember like while recording uh god yeah um hmm I remember being in the old moat studios and um with Linda Bellingham and, and the aircon broke down and it was absolutely sweltering and, and, and really it was so hot in those those booths and she's next to me in her booth and I'm, I'm in mine. There's a glass partition between us. And I, I just said, I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to take some some, some layers off. And I, I, I literally took, took, took my jacket off, took, took my T-shirt off. And yeah, I think Linda found that, found that most amusing and made a few... Um, a few comments again that I will repeat. <laughs> I mean, God, wants to see a topless Narmin? That's, that's not a good sight. I've got that. Um, <laughs> oh, I can't remember. I mean, you know, I just, you know, we laugh a lot. We do laugh a lot, you know, as, as actors do when they're in a green room together, you know, and you do hear, you know, actors like to gossip and, 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 and laugh and joke. And um, yeah, just, just so many, so many, good times I, I've just always enjoyed recording I just love to be in a green room with a, with a good bunch of actors and and I think we've ha we've had some of the best on the, on the Gallifrey series we've been absolutely blessed in that respect so many lovely people um many of whom are, are good friends you know I mean I, I count Gary as, as one of my dearest friends I don't see him very often sadly but um but Gary Russell you know what, what a guy you know so yeah I've made some great friends through doing this job um, I'm very thankful for that Awesome. Um, this is a small question, but within Gallifrey, Narvin has the whole arc about having his regeneration stolen, yeah. but then potentially given back to him by Rassilon. Yeah. How many regenerations do you think Narvin has? Because it's kind of up in the air. Does it he is. One? Did he get many? You know, uh, I, I don't think it was ever specifically stated that Narvin's on his first life, on his first regeneration. I think I've, I've mentioned this to Gary or Scott, and I, I, I think the general consensus is that there is no previous incarnation of Narvin. So this is his first, his first life. Uh, and then he's stripped of his regenerations. So um, yeah, it, it, ch it changes everything. It's, it's suddenly very high stakes. Uh, and crikey, you know, I mean, I've come close a few times. I've, be, I've been shot with stasers. I've been, you know, narrowly, you know, escaped being blown up, you know, and um, suffered various injuries along the way and, and agonizing moments, which are always exhausting in the, in, in the voice booth. You know, when, when, when Scott says, you know, I, you know, I, I want an absolute blood curdling scream here. You're in agony. You know, you're having this, that or the other done to you, you know. Um, yeah, and <laughs> you almost pass out, you know, through <laughs> giving them those, those you know, uh, death throes. Um, but yeah, you know, Narvin is, I, d I don't know, he's, he's in a vulnerable position now, isn't he? You know? Yeah. Do you have a erasure question, Freya? <laughs> Well, no, I did put in the notes that I did want to talk about Erasure just because it's probably one of my favourite Narvin things of all time. I think it's just such a brilliant audio and to see Narvin actually like 
showing a caring side that we don't usually see that was very nice and also Narva meeting the fourth doctor it's just a great time anyway yeah, um, yeah I just want to talk about that a bit yeah gladly um I was I was I was really um really chuffed actually to be asked to do um erasure because I was aware of, of Big Finish doing these companion chronicles and you know quite often they were they were done by very well established tv stars that were in the classic series so I, I didn't think for one moment that they would ask me to do one so when it when that came my way I was I was you know really touched and, and I thought well that's testament to to the popularity of the character I suppose that they want Narvin to do uh you know um, one of these companion chronicle things um yeah and Gary, of course, was no longer working with Big Finish at the time. And I, and I didn't think he ever would come back and, and work for Big Finish again, simply because, you know, he had done so much uh, and, and had moved on and, and, and is doing very busy doing other things. Um, so great, great thrill to be asked to do it and to know that it was Gary that was going to be writing and directing this one. Fantastic script. It really was a fantastic script, as you say. It's it tells you everything you need to know about Narvin, really, doesn't it? Because, you know, we see we see a young version of Narvin for one thing, um, and we see how utterly, you know, heartless and ruthless, you know, he he can be in in doing what he does in that one. I mustn't say too much. I'm sure there's some people that will listen to this and go, "Oh, I must go and go and get that one and listen to it." So I won't I won't spoil it, but it it certainly tells you everything you need to know about Narvin. And it's that thing, again, it's that phrase of being all shades of grey. But we also then see, um, yes, that, that, that it's, again, it's about that bond that I talked about earlier between them um, and, and that love that, that he has for uh, Lila and Romana. So it was great to do. You know, it was literally... Um, it was just one day in, 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 in Cardiff, uh, in and out in one day. And then Gary and I went for lunch afterwards, you know. Um, but but it's, it's, it's a cracking script. And I would say to anyone that has enjoyed Narvin and enjoyed the Gallifrey series, yeah, please go and check out Erasure. I, I don't think you'd be disappointed. I'm glad you I like always it. tell people to do that. <laughs> yeah. oh, I've told you. so many people. Yeah. Well, yes, I, th I, think, I think it's a terrific script. Um, yeah, well, and Gary's a fantastic writer anyway. You know, he and Alan Barnes created Narvin in the first place. And um, um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm eternally grateful, you know, for that. <laughs> and you ended up working with Tom Baker eventually, didn't you? For um, a different series, right? Yes, eventually. It, it, uh, it, it happened eventually. You know, I, I met Tom at Longleat and there was uh this is a long long time ago this is back in the 90s uh, you know so way That's before where I, was I, lived. <laughs> I was you weren't born then but you know I, I was an actor at the time you know I left drama school in 92 and I was kind of doing a lot of theatre and and you know lots of small tally parts and stuff back then um but this is long before you know big finish uh so late 90s and um there was an event, I think it must have it must have been 97, because it was to celebrate, it was either 20 years of K9 or, or the 21st birthday party for K9, something like that. Anyway, so I went to this event at Longleat, and I never went to conventions, you know, um, that was the only one I ever went to. Uh, and I met Tom, and I, I got him to sign something, and I, I very nervously said, oh, well, um, it's, it's wonderful to meet you, Tom. And, and, He's got such a presence, you know, I felt like a little, I suddenly felt like a little kid. I was five years old, you know, again, you know, and um, and I said, I really hope we, we work together one day. And he just went, ah, might that happen? What you do, Sean? I said, um, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm an actor. He said, ah, yes. Well, perhaps one day you could be the doctor and I could be the master. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> yes. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, so that didn't quite happen, but you know, I, I did eventually get to work with him, and I was delighted that that finally happened because he is my doctor. I grew up watching John Pertwee, and I, I loved him as the doctor, but I was very, very young at the time. 
Um, so I suppose as I got a little older, I started to appreciate the stories more. And Tom became the doctor and just, yeah, I think my generation just instantly fell in love with him. Um, and that, that's my doctor. And I adored Doctor Who through the 70s, particularly in the late 70s. Um, so to finally work with him was definitely something for the bucket list. And of course, when he started working with Big Finish, because obviously for a while he was a bit reluctant to, to do that, he finally agreed to. And of course, I was well established with Big Finish at the time. So I thought, well, maybe, maybe, you know, Narvin could, could meet the fourth doctor. Um, well, I suppose you could say that that did finally happen with Erasure, but certainly to go in and play a, a character other than Narvin, it's very, very rare I ever do that anyway. I don't know if that'll ever happen again, but certainly back then, you know, I went in and played this Cockney grave digger, Ned Davey, um, in that wonderful Hinchcliffe box set. Um, so that that was an absolute thrill. It really was. A lovely guy. And again, you know, it's the same, it was the same as the, the first time I met him. You know, I, I work with, I'm lucky enough to work with a lot of well-known people in this industry. You don't often get starstruck, but every once in a while, once in a blue moon, you know, you are. And I was completely starstruck, you know, first time I met Tom and when I worked with him, um, as I was when I briefly met John Hurt in, in L.A., you know, um, just once in a blue moon, you meet someone that means so much to you. And that was the case with Tom. So lovely just to be in a studio with him. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely adore him. I really do adore him as an actor and, and obviously as a doctor. Yeah, I mean. You mentioned your non-Narvin roles and you mentioned loving the TV movie, even if the script is naff, but you got to play uh, Dr. George Strangeways in The Panda Invasion in Iris Wildtime. Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, so you got to play off the parody of the TV movie and also get flirted at by Katie Manning. I presume that was quite the experience. It was an experience a long, long time ago. I mean, you're, you're, you're literally jogging my memory just saying what you just I said. I don't listen to it recently, but it was very fun. Oh, uh, um, yes, you're right. I do recall that it, that it, um, that it parodied the TV movie. That's, that's right, isn't it? Um, and it was, it, you know, that, that's, that's, that was huge fun. It, it's, um, yeah, it, it, it was a fun thing to do. Um, yes. Uh, the 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 Iris Wild Time thing, huge fun to do, and I I do still have a clip of that on my voice reel because it's not often I get to play an American, so I've got a bit of American on my voice reel, and that, I just like that line, you know. Uh, wait the hell, what the hell is that? Two livers? You know. <laughs> <laughs> She's fond of her gin and tonics, isn't she? Yeah, it was great fun to do. Uh, Kate Katie's wonderful, um, and again, you know, that's that's. That's a companion. Her and Sarah Jane were very special companions when I was young. Um, so again, wonderful to to, to work with with her. And um, and we we've met at conventions since. She's always lovely and huge fun and just such a warm, you know, lovely person. Yeah, it's a long, long time ago. Some of these stories, you know, going way back. You know, of course, I'm, you know, I've not heard them since. So it's it's difficult to talk about about mm. them. Um, Yes, you get to my age. You know. <laughs> well, my memory's like a sieve already. What's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I I do a crossword every day and hope that keeps me sharp. And learn, learning lines as well, I find it I find it harder as I get older to learn lines. I really do. But um, I don't do theatre anymore. That's a great discipline doing theatre and learning lines that way. You know, of course, with telly, you've got you know less dialogue to learn, and and you know. Um, unless you're in EastEnders or something. I don't know how they do that. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, sorry, Freya, you were talking. I'm, I'm wittering again. You can edit <laughs> oh, all Oh, no, that. it's fine. Um, <laughs> it's right, we like the wittering. Um, actually, I have a question from one of my friends. Um, yeah. Uh, if there were more Gallifrey audios and you were able to decide where the story went, what would you want to happen? To Narvin in particular, I guess. Oh gosh, that's a good question. I'm not sure I can give a good answer. Um, <laughs> not without giving it a, a bit of thought off the top of my head. <clears throat> if there were more Gallifrey audios, where would I want the story to, to go? Um, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, crikey, when you do something as big as the time war, but you know, you can do anything in Doctor Who, can't you? So um, I just, you know, actually, you mentioned Erasure earlier. 
And something I, I enjoyed about that was being a younger version of Narvin. So I'd, I'd, I'd like to, you know, there's, there's no reason why we can't do a prequel to Gallifrey and, and to do early Gallifrey. I'd, I'd love that, you know, to do a younger version of Narvin. To, you know, to fill in the, the blanks of his story prior to that first um, Gallifrey audio, because um, that's something I'd like to explore. Yeah, a, a prequel to Gallifrey. I'd, I'd love that. Oh, I'd and love I, that. I, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, when, when you think of, of you know, the, the, the TV doctors that, that we've had um, since the series came back, um, I mean, they're all wonderful. I, I would love Narvin to, uh, to meet um, Tennant's doctor. That's something I'd love. You know, um, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? As Tom would say, who knows, eh? <laughs> yeah, I that's mean, one of my that's one of my favourite moments that was. I mean, Tom turning up at the end of uh, that, that one, you know, as the, the curator. Yes. <laughs> I do uh, love that line. Actually, I remember you using it, uh, you tweeting it to me when I guessed that you were going to be in His Dark Materials. Because ah. I, I tweeted about Yorick Bernison and then you ah. tweeted that line back and I was like, I think I've got it. I, I, you got the reference. Yes, who knows? It? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not allowed to say much about Dark Matures, but all I can say, Freya, is it's, it's brief. I mean, you know, when um, I, I'm a big fan of the series uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's normally it's, it's, it's on this time of year normally because of COVID, they had a break in filming. They had to shut down recording. Um, so that disrupted things and then they, they managed to get back on track and, and finish, uh, finish shooting but of course that means that it, uh, it doesn't go out in its usual slot which is in the autumn you know, uh, in the run up to Christmas so it, it will go out I guess um, it might be January next year or, or you know, sometime early next year it, it, it will get broadcast but you know, I, I, I've always watched it in the autumn and, and I, you know, I'm there sort of, you know, making the fire up and settling down with a glass of wine on a Sunday night, looking forward to the latest episode of His Dark Materials. And I always used to think to myself when I was looking forward to the next episode, God, I, I, I would do anything to, to be in that. Just a small part, you know? Yeah, I'd be happy just to have a few lines in it. Um, unfortunately, it is just a few lines and then maybe not even that. The week, because the danger is when you do something very small, you've just got a scene and a few lines. Well, sometimes, you know, everything gets edited. So you might just get edited down to nothing. That, that happened to me in Torchwood, you know. Um, all those years ago when I did Torchwood, there were, there were originally in the script two scenes. There was a nice scene around the dinner table and then a brief scene where I got killed on the doorstep. Well, of course, the first scene got lost in its entirety. All you had was my death scene. So I, I remember, you know, telling all my family and friends I was going to be on Torchwood everyone settled down to watch it, you know, and of course it went out and literally, I, I think I say one line and get disemboweled by this alien on the doorstep and that was it, you know, and everyone was saying, oh, that was quick. <laughs> so it may be like that with Dark Materials, I don't know, you know, but all I can say is, yes, Yorick, well, you work that much out that it's a scene with Yorick and, uh, you know, he, he attacks our village and I, as the leader of this fishing village, um, have to try and defend, we try and defend our, our village from him. Yeah, that goes well. <laughs> no, well, I, I hope I make it to the, the final cut. I, know that I, I very much hope so. <laughs> it was great to do, though. I mean, it was terrific to do, just to have that as a credit on the CV, because it's such a big, big series. It's such a great drama, epic. Um, and I must say, um, the young actor, uh, Amir Wilson, uh, who plays Will, Oh, what a nice guy. I met him at the rap party the other night. He is such a good actor and such a lovely young, young fella. You know, I think he'll, he'll do so well. Who knows? A future doctor, perhaps, you know, who knows? But um, Ooh, that would be fun. <laughs> yeah, he's such, such a good actor. He's got such a lovely, you know, uh, natural way and a really nice guy. So it was, it, was a, it was a thrill to do. It was a buzz to do. Just a few days. Yeah. But um, we'll see what ends up in the final cut. Fingers crossed. <laughs> so talking of his dark materials, what do you think your demon would be? Because I do like asking everyone this. <laughs> well, oh, it's got to be a cat. You know, got to be, you know, I'm, I'm a massive cat person. You know, we've got three cats here. Rocco, our, our elderly cat, he's he's um, he, similar to Narvin, actually. He's, he's got the black and white look going on, you know, the penguin look. Um, Rocco's getting on a bit. He, he's uh, He'll be 17 soon. 
Um, and then, then we've got young Gwenny uh, and Tipsy and their sisters, and they're both two years old. And what you got about my cats? Can you believe it? Like some, some mad old woman. We, we <laughs> actually considered asking you about your cats anyway. So <laughs> you'd have a question for it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a cat, cat would definitely be my my demon. I was I was actually again, you know, you would sometimes this happens in in TV dramas. You audition for one part, and you don't get it, but they go actually let let's cast him as this character. And that's what happened with the Christmas Invasion, and that also happened with Dark Materials. The point is, I auditioned for a Magisterium Guard, but ended up playing this this guy, Townsman. But I remember thinking, oh no, I, I I'm I'm a normal human character i don't have a demon oh no i want a demon if i had a demon it would most certainly be a cat <laughs> there we are i'm actually a very very shy person honestly I, I truly am and and so you know i don't i don't always go to these events i mean you know I, i've only been invited to a, a handful of film premieres and I, and I didn't go to any of them you know which is silly really especially now that you know after all we've been through covid i think that's why i went to the rap party because i thought well you know, I normally don't bother going to these events, you know, but I'll, I'll get myself along and make the effort, you know. Um, but she was there and I and I thought, I thought, oh, do I go over and say hello? I wanted to. I desperately wanted to say hello and just say how much I love what she's done. You know, I, I truly do. She's, she's an incredible producer. And, and uh, I just think Dark Materials is um, it's just one of the best TV dramas of all time for me. It really is. It's that good. Uh, and I wanted to tell her that, and I didn't. <laughs> I just hung back and sipped my champagne. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, if Okay, so I want to go back to Navin later, but are there any other shows you'd love to get involved in that aren't his dark materials? Like, if you had a bucket list, what other shows would you want to be part of? Oh. Um, most... Definitely, it's, it, you know, it's it's going to be the things that you love, the things that you enjoy watching oh. as, a, as a viewer, you know. So, to be able to tick off Doctor Who, you know, as something on my CV is is a huge buzz, and his Dark Materials, and uh, all creatures great and small, because I I absolutely love the books, and so when I got to do an episode of that for the first series, I was I was really chuffed, and I've since watched every single ep episode. Uh, you know, my wife and I adore that. So um, I would, I would certainly love to do uh, all creatures great and small again, because I'm I'm told you know I was told this at the time that the character I played Joe Mulligan they they saw him as a possible returning character so who knows if it, if he will return but the, that's certainly what the producers said um, so I'd like to come back as Joe and, and be in uh, all creatures great and small again because it's such a lovely series I think more than anything. Um, of course, I'd love to do Doctor Who again. I'd love to turn up as Narvin. That's that's on the wish list, you know. That's a pipe dream, isn't it? Um, I would love to be in um, Line of Duty. I, I absolutely adore that show as well. I'd love I'd love to be in in a good crime drama. I love I, I do like that as a genre. Uh, love crime dramas. I'd like I to do. see that. Good, yeah, good ones. You know, Mo um, not Morse. Um, Endeavor. I, I adored yes. Endeavor. I never watched Morse, funnily enough, you know, but Endeavour as the prequel, as the young Morse, you know, I, I've, I've watched that series since it started and uh, my wife got me into that. And I, I think that, again, that's that's TV drama at its, at its best. Morse is fantastic. Of course, that's finished. That won't happen. That one's gone now. Um, but if they make another series of Line of Duty, I, I'd give anything to be in that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, any good crime drama. Um, That'd be fun. <laughs> you mentioned wanting to play a young Narvin again, but yeah. in the Benny Six release with uh, Lisa and David, it felt like he played quite a young Narvin in that. He was quite a bit more pricklish towards the Warner Doctor, calling him an abomination and so on. So, yeah. how was coming back to this sort of younger Narvin? after so long playing like a gentler Narvin who's, you know, more outwardly caring. That, that's very true. Yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, he, he was a, a very abrasive version of Narvin and, and perhaps, you know, if, if we did a prequel to Gallifrey, then I wouldn't be doing myself any favours. I, I would just be back to being this rather unpopular, prickly, snidey character that people don't like. But everyone uh, loves him now. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to undo that. So maybe it's best left. Um, 
Yeah, you know, it wasn't it wasn't difficult playing a younger version of Narvin. Um, I I think when I did Erasure, again, you know that that's. But that's that's in retrospectively, isn't he? He's telling a story, isn't he? Um, no, with with the Benny one, yeah. I I mean, I was aware that I was a, I was a younger version of myself. You just trust the script. That, that's all there is to it, really. Um, you just have to trust the script and 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 just yeah, let the script guide you. So it, it wasn't difficult, you know. Um, I don't know if I kind of conscientiously tried to make my voice any lighter. Um, I don't know if a younger Narvin would sound, you know, unless he's a very young Narvin, I'm not going to sound that different from the voice I've got. It's, it's, it's the same with the Doctors, isn't it? When you think, when you listen to um, Sylvester or Peter or Colin play their Doctors now, um, as opposed to the age that they were when they played them on screen, you know, that, that's, that's um, a hell of a long time ago. But they still sound like the doctors, so it's funny. As we age, we all we all look older, um, but our voices don't change that much until you get very old, and then you get very croaky sometimes. You know, I'm Tom. You know, Tom's voice, a rich, wonderful, rich Tom Baker voice, unmistakable. He's he still sounds like he did in the seventies. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. This question. Classically, the Time War kind of gets its roots back to Genesis of the Daleks, where the fourth Doctor is sent to uh, defeat Davros and stop the creation of the Daleks. But in Series 6, we realise in Gallifrey that Narvin is behind this. What's your take on Narvin kind of being the reason behind the Time War or kind of setting into motion the events that lead to the Time War eventually? Well, it's it's a hell of a responsibility, isn't it, to be responsible for the time war? Um, <laughs> yes, um, it, it's 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 a, it's a bit of a thrill, really, I suppose, because that's such a big part of the TV series, and so for us with the audio series to a be able to do the time war, and for me personally to then find out that actually it's it's my character Narvin who set you know things in motion. That, that led to the time war. I mean, that's 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 quite a buzz. You know, I like that. I was I was delighted at that. Rather like, you know, um, when I read whichever script it was, where I discover that um, that Narvin was the Time Lord that decided to send the Fourth Doctor back to try and stop the Daleks at their their genesis at their creation. Um, I was absolutely delighted with that. I mean, I I, I remember. The script arrived and I did what I always do, sat down at the kitchen table. I was in my, my old house then. And um, and I sat down and with a cup of tea and started reading the script. And when I got to that bit, I, I was literally whooping, you know, punching the air. You know, I couldn't believe it. Um, so it's it's lovely that, that some big moments of uh, the television series are, are dirt down to Narvin, that he's responsible for that. I, I, I love the way that, that they have tied Narvin in with... They tied us, you know, our our series Gallifrey in with 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 the TV series, you know, both classic and new. Who, that's that's fantastic. It's lovely that we're allowed to do it, you know. But it's all it's all Doctor Who, isn't it? You know, it is it is the the, the Who universe, the franchise, you know, that um, that we're part of, which is which is great. Um, difficult question. This was kind of left earlier in our notes, but wasn't covered. If you had to choose between Romana and Leela, who would be your favourite? Oh, that's <laughs> awful question. That's I know. such a mean question. That is such <laughs> a mean <laughs> question. I, I can't have I was question. tempted to put something in the notes about how that was really mean. <laughs> so it's, it's a different relationship, isn't it? You know, um, I know some people have, have um, I don't know, suggested or, or, or hoped that perhaps there's something more than friendship um, between Narvin and, and Leela. Am I right in saying that? That some people think that perhaps... I think a lot of the Gallifrey fans sort of go for any of the relationships. There are people that like all of them, pretty much. Yeah. Like, so, am I right yeah. In, am I right in saying that some, some fans... There are definitely... Think definitely. that Narvin and, and Leela perhaps could be an item or are an item... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think this... We, we were at a convention. Which I, as I say, I... I 
don't get asked to do conventions very often, very rarely. You know, I've done a few in America, but not, not in, in the UK, apart from um, Big Finish Day. Oh, and I used to do the Swansea one for generations, but uh, I, I don't get asked to do them very often. But, but I was at one before lockdown. Oh, no, this is going back a few years now. This was well before lockdown. Ah, uh, crikey, when was this? Must be about 2013 or 14 or something, a long time ago. Um, and it was very, it's very rare. Only twice have I ever been at a convention, all three of us together, me, Lala and Lou. So we did a big finish day in, in Slough years ago. And then we were also together in L.A. as well a few years ago. But when we did the Slough one a long time ago, somebody, there was a question from the floor about, you know, the, the relationship between Leela and Narvin uh, being more than just a friendship. And, and uh, I can't remember what happened exactly. But I, I vaguely recall that, um, that Louise and I had a quick snog on stage. She, she kissed me full on the lips <laughs> to the delight of the audience. I, I, I haven't imagined, please t t tell me I haven't imagined that. You'll have to verify that. Did I just make that up? I, I don't recall <laughs> this actually happening. Not, it's not just in my head. The but, fact that um, I've missed that is so upsetting. <laughs> she did, she, she kissed me and, uh, um, yeah, which which everyone found very amusing, and you that's know, amazing. Um, there we are. That's, <laughs> that's, that's made my that's day. That's that's... It didn't happen now, would it? Crikey, you know, we can't even hug anymore. How sad. But yeah, she. Yes, I remember that. Oh, I don't know. I can't have a favourite. I really can't. Um, I think. I think, me personally, I, I I love both those characters. I love them in the TV series, and I love the fact that they are the heart of of Gallifrey. Um, and and I, I love the people that play those two characters. So I, I can't have a favorite. I simply can't. They are <laughs> they are, you know, it's it's the three of them, isn't it? Together, you know, um, always. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, we're close to wrapping up, I guess. Um, yeah, I'm afraid I, I I will have to wrap it up soon. I I hate to um, no absolutely to guys, but. I mean, one more question for the podcast, yeah, I course. guess. Um, which Gallifreyan chapter would you belong to? So of all the houses on Gallifrey, which one do you think you would belong to? I, I thought it had been specified which... No, uh, no, as you. Oh, you, uh, as you the, personally. As you, Sean Carlson, rather than Narvin. Oh, oh, I don't know. I, that's... That... <laughs> <laughs> That's a fanboy question, isn't it? Um, <laughs> we couldn't help ourselves. <laughs> to which, to which I can't give an answer. I, 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 I can't say I've ever stopped to contemplate that, or, or could give a, a satisfactory answer. But, but, um, but Narvin is. Um, oh gosh, Atrix. I forget them. Yes, yes, yes. I know that much. There we I go. remember that because that's the one I'd be. <laughs> yeah. So I would say I would say that one. Yes, I nice. say that because that, that's what he is. And I'm, 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 I'm proud, proud to be of that chapter. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. On that note, we should probably wrap up. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, uh, all of you. Um, and, and I you wish too. you all well. Stay safe and, and well and have a lovely Christmas. Awesome. You. <laughs> you too. Bye. Bye. Take care. Bye bye. Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio Podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.